Good morning, everyone. We, we seem to have a gremlin with the sound, so we'll, we'll maybe leave the um, first song and go straight on into our service. And I have some notices. <laughs> um, firstly, there's some cards for our missionary partners at the back. So if you would like to sign them after the service um, so they can be sent to them for Christmas, that would be lovely. Um, we're still needing some tins of chocolates to give round to local businesses. So if you're shopping and see uh, a tin of something on offer, please put it in your basket and then bring it to church and leave it in the kitchen. Uh, mince pies and mulled wine for our carol service. Uh, still in need of those as well. So if you could add those to your basket as well, that would be lovely. Um, and still a few cards to deliver to Baston Hill. So if, you're, um, if you have a look on your way out and see what streets are available and fancy a walk round, then please do take a pile. Uh, I had a... I'm just looking to see if they're here. <laughs> I had a special request from Jacqueline who says Ivan likes a surprise. And it's his birthday today. So... <laughs> Many happy returns of the day, Ivan. And to anyone else who is um, celebrating a birthday around this time, um, Mark has a notice. Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, on Friday coming, on the 9th of December, there's a Christian Aid concert here in church. Um, 7 p.m. it starts. Um, tickets, I've got some tickets with me here now. Um, or there's some notices at the back, on the little table at the back, which tells you how to get them. You can get them from Dages and Tillies, or you can get them from Keith Robinson, or you can see me, and I'll get tickets to you. But they're £10 a ticket. If you can support it, that'd be great. Thank you. So in the name of God, who has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, we welcome you, grace to you and peace. Let's sing our first song together, Come Down, O Love Divine. Thank you, Chris. some hip books do you think please take your seats while we sort this out and then we'll start we'll start afresh when we've either got some hymn books or it's it's, it's gone has it could somebody 
sort out some books, maybe. Oh, thank you. It's one, one. It's number one, two, oh, two. not in the book. (laughs) Chris has suggested we sing Tell Out My Soul instead, which is number... (laughs) 520. So we will sing number 520, Tell Out My Soul. And we move on to a time of confession. When the Lord comes, he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of our hearts. Therefore, in the light of Christ, let us confess our sins. 
and a Kyrie confession. Lord Jesus, you came to gather the nations into the peace of your kingdom. Lord, have mercy. You came in word and sacrament to strengthen us in holiness. Christ, have mercy. You will come in glory with salvation for your people. Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And John's going to bring us our reading from Luke. Thank you, John. reading today is taken from Luke chapter 21, beginning at verse 25 with slight trepidation. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, John. Let's pray for Peter as he comes to preach. So, Father, we thank you for Peter. We thank you for the time that he spent preparing the word to us this morning. We pray that we will have ears to hear and that you will anoint what he says, that we can hear your heart this morning. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Good morning. 
Uh, one more notice to add to uh, Ursula's. I, I think, uh, I'm not sure, I don't think uh, Ursula said this. The, the one prayer meeting is on tonight at 7, even though England, England kick off at 7 as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll be praying uh, as, as that match starts tonight. But uh, do come if you can. Uh, lots to pray into, of course, this month. So these Bible readings we're looking at uh, in Advent are an invitation to slow down and to reflect and to pause and to breathe and to consider again uh, the big picture, God's big picture, the grand story of salvation. Uh, The tendency always is to want to rush ahead and rush through this season. Um, People are saying, aren't they all over the place are you ready for Christmas, etc., etc., whatever people mean by that. But Advent is a time to pause and to reflect and get ready, prepare. And that is precisely where this Bible reading in Luke comes in, because uh, here Luke is preparing us for uh, the coming of Jesus in all his glory. And Jesus is, is teaching in the temple, and uh, as John, I think, Uh, hinted at as uh, the start of the the reading there are all sorts of mind-blowing prophecies uh, being spoken of about the end times so I don't know how you react when you hear these verses we've just heard read there will be signs in the sun moon and stars on the earth nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea or the, the next one verse 26 people will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for their heavenly bodies will be shaken. I don't know how you react to those sorts of (coughs) prophecies. There may be uh, a sense of apprehension, uh, a sense of worry. And yet we know that Jesus has all things in his hands. He holds all things in his hands. We are safe in his hands. And yet, as we delve into this passage, we see not only that, but there's a story here of hope as well. Despite the doom and the anguish and the portents, God is in control. God will return, and he will have the final word. And in fact, there is hope. Many people today, I think, are struggling with feeling hopeless. The news is full of it, isn't it? Every single time you look at the news, you see wars, you see famines, you see disasters, you see financial problems all over the place. And so people may well be, may well be turning to you at this time of year and saying, OK, you're a Christian. You tell me where there is hope in this world. And of course, crises can rob us of hope, can't they? Things that go wrong can, can rob us of hope. Uh, stories we hear of the suffering in the world, the crimes that go on in the world, can they, they, can, they can sort of rob us of hope or take our hope away. And yet Luke, the gospel writer here, is writing to a church that is going through very difficult times. Let not, let's not forget that. The, ch- the church, uh, the early church, was going through really difficult times, extreme suffering, more suffering than we've ever known. And probably will ever know. The persecution they're going through is extreme. 
And people all around these disciples, the, the early Christians, are, are worshipping other gods. They are bowing down at false, two false gods and worshipping idols and indifferent to spiritual truth. So how is that different to today, I wonder? So what is our basis for hope? Where do we find hope? Is it found looking for the signs of the end times? Or is hope found elsewhere? This passage is very similar to uh, a passage in Mark. And uh, if you want to compare the two, uh, you'll conf- you can find the, uh, the similar passage in Mark chapter 12. And then into Mark chapter 13. So at the end of uh, chapter 12 and into to, to, uh, Mark 13. But whatever version you read, either Luke 21 or Mark 12 and Mark 13... Uh, All of this forms a response of Jesus to discussions about the end times. So if you look to to Luke 21, uh, verses 5 to 7, you'll see that there's a discussion going on uh, with the disciples. And uh, it says there, Luke 21, verses 5 to 7, Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? And so we're not so different today, are we? We, we, (coughs) We're wondering about the end times. We're wondering about when is God going to return? When is his return in glory? Uh, Disciples of Jesus have always wondered about this through the centuries, about the return of Jesus. And yet Jesus, I think, is more interested in in more about our faith in the here and the now than the, the looking on to the end times. I think he's more interested really in our fellowship together. Uh, the Thessalonians fell into the same trap. Uh, the Thessalonians were uh, speculators about the end times uh, endlessly, it seems. And uh, they, were, uh, they wanted to put down their tools, as it were. They wanted to just lay down uh, being a Christian, as it were, and look out for the coming of Jesus. And so they went about annoying others with their theories. And so St. Paul puts them right. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 Uh, Paul says to them, Now, brothers and sisters, about the end times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, Jesus says, Paul says, don't worry about that. He will come. He will. In his time, he will return. But in a sense, who can blame them for being curious? In a way, we all want to know when Jesus will return, to establish his kingdom finally and fully on this earth and to deal with death and sin and Satan once for all. I don't know if you uh, read in the news this week about the census results for 2021 uh, that have just been published and the data of that census is being analysed. And uh, one of the questions that's asked, of course, in 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 the census is, what is your religion? And uh, of particular interest was the data about those who, who would identify themselves as being Christians. 
And the data for the 2021 census is only last year. The data shows for the first time that fewer than half of all people in England and Wales now define themselves as Christians. So the proportion of people who said they were Christian was 46.2%, down from 59.3% in the last census in 2011. Now that may seem disappointing news, but the BBC uh, made this comment, and I'll quote this comment that they made on those... Uh, that percentage. It said this, with its very simple optional question, what is your religion? The census does not illustrate the range of 22.2 million people in the no religion category. From those who do not believe in God at all to those who do believe in some form or believe in the power of prayer and an afterlife or are spiritual in some way. The point I'm trying to make is, is this. We are living, of course, we know, don't we? We're living in an increasingly non-Christian culture. But the data strongly suggests that there are a lot of people out there who are looking for spiritual answers, who are looking for a way of knowing what is this life about? Is there God? And who is God? Now, of course, that 46.2% of people who identify themselves as Christians, if they all came to church, we would be swamped. And there would be no, no empty seats at all. But, of course, people don't transfer that, translate that into church going, do they? Of course they don't. And yet people are desperate for spiritual answers. They are desperate for hope. 2,000 years ago, people were desperate for hope. Nothing has changed in between times. Hope is crucial for humanity. Hope is paramount in the Christian faith and Christian life. At the end of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Those are the three most important godly values. Humanity needs hope to face another day, another week, another year. And the, and the world needs us to be living signs of hope. So what is it? What is this hope about? Well, hope is made real and tangible in the, the suffering of Jesus. It's made real and tangible in the forgiveness of Jesus. How many times have we strayed from the presence of God only to find that God comes to look for us in the call of the evening, as the book of Genesis puts it. In Scripture, hope is portrayed in various ways. The Old Testament prophets uh, hark back to the, the golden era of David and says, well, that's, that's what life will be like again. When David was king, that is what life will be like again for you. The descendants of David will bring justice and righteousness, shalom to his people. And so this is why the disciples are so eager to know, well, when, is, when are these things going to happen? When are these things going to take place? The Thessalonians are so eager, they just sit back and think, well, I'll just, we'll wait just for it to happen. And so here we are in the season of Advent, hoping, waiting, praying. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus is God made man. Our hope is in the incarnation. 
That is where our hope lies. We could say it glibly, but that is where our hope lies. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus is God-made man. And when we say that, what we're saying is that this Davidic figure, this, this one whom the people of Israel hope for and still hope for, has already come. This Davidic figure has already come. The two gospel writers most concerned with the incarnation, who are Matthew and Luke, both make the link between Davidic expectations and Jesus. And so that's why Matthew, in his genealogy, you know, the beginning of Matthew, there's a whole genealogy of, uh, of the line of Jesus. It begins with, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Matthew makes the link already immediately between Jesus and David. And then in Luke, the other one, which is uh, Luke is also very concerned with uh, the birth of Jesus. Uh, uh, and the story of the birth of Jesus on the journey to Bethlehem occurs because of the connection between Jesus and David. That is why Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem, the city of David. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 says, And Joseph also went up from the city of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. The Jews are looking out for another David. Jesus, of course, is of the line of David. And in Jesus, when he appears and when he starts teaching and when he starts preaching, many have their hopes raised. And many have their hopes dashed. There's that wonderful uh, snippet in John's Gospel uh, where Philip comes to Nathanael and says, We found him. We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And do you remember Nathaniel's response? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? To which Philip says, come and see. Come and see. And when he does meet Jesus, Nathaniel is convinced that Jesus is the King of Israel. He is the Son of God. And then there are those whose hopes are dashed. Jesus drew crowds, didn't he? Jesus drew them to himself with his teaching, with his preaching and the healing that he he offered. And yet, their hope turns a different way when talk of the cross emerges in his teaching. When Jesus starts talking about the cross, his own family starts turning against him. The crowds begin to disappear. His disciples begin to betray him, deny him run away from him, abandon him. And the main reason for that is because Jesus is, is now, he's, no, he's not looking like the, the David that they think he should be. He's not looking like King David. He's looking not like the David of old. He's looking, well, he's looking like a suffering servant. Jesus isn't going to raise an army and defeat the Romans. That's not what he's going to do. He's directing people to the kingdom of God. He's saying there's a new kingdom coming about. There's a kingdom not of this world, but of God, in which everyone is invited to enter. And some people caught that vision, some people heard that, some people could understand it, and so they turned to Jesus. Others said, well, that doesn't sound like hope to me. That sounds like pie in the sky when you die. 
So how do we hold on to hope in this mixed up world that we're in? What does Jesus say? He says, be careful. Be careful. Be always on the watch. Verse 36. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus says, be careful. Be watchful. Be prayerful. That you may be able to stand. Faith in Jesus is active, not reactive. It's about looking out for signs that God's kingdom is breaking through into the here and the now. It takes eyes of faith. It's not, it's not about getting distracted about all these other things that are going on around and about us. It's, not, it's focusing on what is God doing in the here and the now and joining in with that. Signs of the kingdom of God breaking through. And the hope that the church offers, the hope that the Christian faith offers is specific and active. Just think of the multitude of ways that the church is active. Just think of the multitude of ways in which Christians are active and offering hope in this world. Food banks, for one. The news is fascinated by food banks, aren't they? The reporters are fascinated by them. Amazing offerings of hope to people. Uh, Youth groups, I'm going to mention a few, there's many, many more. Youth groups, children's groups, shelters for the homeless, prison chaplains, street pastors. Charities offering hope and warmth and hospitality and love and compassion and conversation. These are Christian expressions of hope. Faith and love. We have faith in God who cares for his creation, who calls us into loving relationship with God and with each other. Faith and hope and love are active ingredients in our lives, not just sprinklings of good stuff on the top. So I wonder, where do you see faith, hope and love? Signs of the coming kingdom of God in your life right now. Where do you see signs of faith, hope and love in your family? in your community, in your neighbourhood, in your street, in this village, wherever you live? Where is God at work in your life today? Because God is always at work. God is always at work, bringing his life and his healing to a broken and a bruised world. Maybe you see it in little acts of compassion, small acts of compassion. Or you sit in the way that others are blessing you or blessing those around you. Where do you see God at work on your front line? Now, there's a word we haven't mentioned for a while. Where is God at work in those places where you're a Christian and people around you aren't? What is God doing there? Jesus says to us, be careful. Be watchful. Be prayerful. That you may be able to stand... And so in Advent, we hold out to the world the hope of the Word made flesh. We hold out out this hope that, yes, the kingdom of God will come in all its fullness in the time that God wills it.
And so we're not going to put down our tools. We're not going to just sit back and sort of say, well, you know, God will come and we don't need to do anything about it. Well, we will keep on working and praying and hoping and loving to the end. It may be some time yet. And yet we are called to offer real signs of hope, real signs of faith, and real signs of love. All in the name of Jesus, who is our Saviour and our friend. Amen. I say the words, let us pray to the Lord, could you respond, Lord, have mercy. Let us pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy. Continuing the theme of that Taizé chant, we pray. Watchful at all times, Let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer, that God may bring in his kingdom with justice and mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, that God may establish among the nations his scepter of righteousness. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy that we may seek Christ in the scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy that the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death, 
Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. And that with all the saints in light, we may shine forth as lights to the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of our Heavenly Father. Amen. If you feel comfortable doing so, please stand for the creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Sorry. Let's do the version Ian's got up on the screen, shall we? <laughs> do you believe and trust in God the Father? creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe and trust in his Son, Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. In the tender mercy of our God, the day spring from on high shall break upon us to give light to those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Please share the peace, but be mindful that there are still bugs and viruses around. Um, and so if folk would prefer not to be approached too closely, please have a seat. And let's sing that lovely contemporary chorus, Meekness and Majesty, as we come to communion. Thank you, Chris.
we're using Eucharistic Prayer E. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, you made the world and you love your creation. You gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Saviour. His dying and rising have set us free from sin and death. And so we gladly thank you with saints and angels praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We praise and bless you, loving Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we obey his command, send your Holy Spirit that broken bread and wine outboard may be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. On the night before he died, he had supper with his friends, and taking bread, he praised you. He broke the bread, gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when supper was ended, he took the cup of wine. Again he praised you, gave it to them, and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, Father, we remember all that Jesus did. In him we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross. Bringing before you the bread of life and the cup of salvation, we proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes in glory. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord of all life, help us to work together for that day when your kingdom comes and justice and mercy will be seen in all the earth. Look with favour on your people. Gather us in your loving arms and bring us with all the saints to feast at your table in heaven. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, O loving Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. 
receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Please come forward as the stewards direct. There is uh, gluten-free bread available and non-alcoholic wine will be served from this table, um, alcoholic wine on both tables.
the body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. And the blood of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Let's pray for those who can't be with us before we say our prayer after communion. Loving Heavenly Father, we think of those of our number who can't join with us physically with communion this morning. For those who are too frail, for those who are living in residential care, for those who, for one reason or another, can't be with us. Lord, may they know your peace and your presence with them. Minister to them, Lord, spiritually, physically, emotionally. May they know your blessing today and throughout this coming week. Amen. And let's say together the prayer after communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. If you would like to stand, Chris is going to lead us in our final hymn. Thank you, Chris.
just before I say the blessing, there's a um, hearing aid here. If it's yours, come and claim it. <laughs> That's if you could hear me say that. <laughs> so to close our service, a blessing. Christ, the Son of Righteousness, shine upon you. Scatter the darkness from before your path and make you ready to meet him when he comes in glory. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain on you now and evermore. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve our Lord. Christ. Amen.